Let's move on to something fun. We got an amazing treat for you today. Okay, now can we rewire it, please? So I can go have my muffin. I haven't had a muffin yet. Gary Hoffman. Well, I don't know what the internet is talking about because you are born. <laughs> Shannon Farron. Oh, thank you, lady. There's a French version of this show, and with me today are the two hosts. Gary and Shannon. Very cool people. Very cool. This is going to be nuts. God be with them. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. What's that? So loud. Loud. Yeah. Well, when you've been doing this show as long as Handel's been doing his show, your hearing's going to be shot, too. What? I'm sorry, what? That's right. Good Lord. Uh, well, this is nice. The White House says it has chosen the President's Golf Resort in Miami for yeah. the uh, next year's Group of Seven Summit of World Leaders. Uh, I don't think this is going to stick. I think if if this news conference that's going on right now is any indication, this is not going to stick. Uh, Mick Mulvaney, the acting chief of staff of the White House, has been answering questions about not just the decision for the G7 to be held at Doral, but also the questions about the Ukraine controversy, the phone call with the Ukrainian president, etc. And uh, they are sticking it to this guy. And he's one of the most plain spoken upfront factual guys i think is that's involved with this white house at least in a communication standpoint and uh he's having a hard time answering some of these questions uh i think as we get into swamp watch at 12:30 we'll be able to play some more of this stuff but um this is the explanation of okay so how do you decide <clears throat> one of the this international summit how do you decide it goes to doral i mean that's the president's because it's property. the nicest resort in the country, and we Even have if- to roll out the best for the world leaders. That is what his argument's going to be. He's going to say this is the best. He said that they had looked at tw- uh, ten properties, I think, around the country. And it visited even some of them to he see. He doesn't care about any sort of appearance of impropriety. That's... Does not care. Gives zero Fs. Does not blink when it comes to this kind of stuff. He feels like, why not? Why wouldn't I have it in my power to award that to my property? <laughs> this isn't, uh, this won't go through. Someone in Congress is going to be able to get a hold of this and say it's probably not a great idea. No Do you think not. that he'll care? You, well, I think he will eventually bow to pressure, yes, on this one specifically. Because I feel like this almost rises to a level that we haven't seen yet. Well, here's the thing. He's doing this all the time. I mean, we're seeing foreign leaders stay at his properties ever since he got into the White House. I mean, I read a story last week of where foreign governments are booking blocks of rooms at his properties to gain favor and then not even using them. Yeah, I saw that too. All right. Uh, well, today happens to be the 30th anniversary, if you can believe that, the 30th anniversary of the Loma Prieta quake, 1989, October 17th. This is... Um, I'll never forget that. I mean, I can remember that day like it was yesterday. Yeah. 
And I, I can remember the kitchen table I was sitting at. I remember the homework ex- assignment I was doing. It was like a, a shape of a key, like a giant key, like a house key. Your and it homework was the, assignment Yeah, was? and it was the key person in my life. And I was writing about my brother being oh, the key person in my life. Lame. This was back before uh, all the feelings were, were beaten out of me. Um, by, your brother. by him. Uh, but I remember writing that and the earthquake happening and everything. Sh- oh, my God. It was so strong. And I remember getting underneath one of the the uh, the, you know, the wall bearing mm-hmm. type uh, the door jam door jams. Yeah. yeah. And I just never forget that. And my mom coming home and me being, oh, my God, you it was an earthquake. It was so crazy. And she was just like, oh, OK. I think she thought it was just a little one. She didn't realize and then she turned on the television and realized the bridge had collapsed. I was watching the World Series in one room, and my niece, uh, sorry, my cousin was watching uh, cartoons in the other room because she was three or four years old. Yeah. And the TVs went out at the same time. Watching San Francisco TV stations, of course. Yeah. And But they went out long before it started shaking. So my TV went out, the World Series, or her TV went out with the cartoons, and we just was like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden you start to hear the glasses in the cupboard start to yes. bang together. Yes, the sound of the glasses. Absolutely. Uh, our boss, Robin Bertolucci, was at a reptile store next to the Nimitz Freeway. That Nimitz Freeway, that collapsed in the Bay Area. We're going to have her on coming up next. We'll also play for you that World Series call. Al Michaels and Tim McCarver in the booth at Candlestick Park waiting to call. I think it was game three of the World Series. Yep. And uh, they got interrupted, so we'll play that for you as well. We'll do that when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. It's time for the Great California Shakeout. This is the Great California Shakeout on KFI AM 640. This is the Great Shakeout Earthquake Drill. So you are participating right now in the largest earthquake safety drill in the history of the United States. Practice now now. so you can protect yourself during a real earthquake. This is an earthquake drill right now. Drop, cover, and hold on. Unless you're driving. Of course, drop where you are onto your hands and knees. That will protect you from being knocked down and also allow you to stay low, crawl to shelter nearby. If there is any, cover your head and your neck with one arm and hand. If a sturdy table or a desk is nearby, crawl underneath it for shelter, as we've seen on television. If no shelter is nearby, crawl next to an interior wall away from windows. Stay on your knees. Bend over to protect those vital organs. And hold on until the shaking stops. So if you are under shelter right now, hold on to it with one hand. Be ready to move with your shelter if it shifts. Mm. And if you're not under shelter, if you're near that wall, hold on to your head and neck with both arms and hands to protect yourself. You look around what objects might fall or be thrown at you in an earthquake that you should secure in place now. Finally, strong earthquakes can generate a tsunami. So if you are near the beach during an earthquake, drop cover and hold on and then... Walk quickly to high ground when the shaking stops. This drill is over. Visit shakeout.org for simple steps on help on helping you survive and recover from a major earthquake, including how to secure your space. Thank you for taking part in Shakeout. Now to 
ease your nerves just a tad bit. Here's $1,000. KFI has your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword EASY, E-A-S-Y, to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's EASY to 200-200. If you win, they'll get you, uh, they'll tell you by phone. So you got to make sure you answer the phone, even if it is from a number that you don't recognize. Quick hint, it's probably from a 513 number. So you're going to have another chance to win an hour from now and then 20 minutes after the hour, every hour from 5 in the morning all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show right here in KFI. And it was no mistake that this year's great shakeout was at 1017 on 1017 because 30 years ago today was when the Bay Area felt that 6.9 Loma Prieta earthquake. Not only did the Bay Bridge collapse, the Nimitz Freeway in Oakland collapsed Fires in the marina in San Francisco. It was just chaos. And yes, the World Series was going on. Game three between the Giants and the A's, the Battle of the Bay. Uh, Al Michaels there had the uh, had the call, the live call when the when the shaking began. Candy Maldonado with the hesitation, allowing Jose Canseco to score, and he fails to get Dave Parker at second base. So the Oakland A's take take. And out went the television. Gone. Um, We were experiencing that. Both of us lived up in the Bay Area, as did our boss, our program director, Robin Bertolucci, who was uh, right there next to the Nimitz Freeway. What do you remember from that day? Oh, my gosh. I was at a a reptile store. I had these pet leopard geckos. (laughs) I had two of them. I really did. And the the bummer about having geckos is you have to feed them live crickets, and you can't get them everywhere. So I went to the – there was a store called the, the Vivarium, which was right directly next to the Nimitz Freeway, probably 50 feet from the freeway where it collapsed. I was inside the store. I was checking out. I was with a friend of mine, and all of a sudden this huge boa constrictor, it was like, bang, hit the wall. I mean, it was a glass wall. It hit the enclosure that it was in. It, like, literally, like, threw itself forward into the glass, which was very startling, obviously, and never seen anything like that. That was before the earthquake hit. So I'm sure because, it, you know, snakes can feel vibrations, it knew something major was coming, and it hurled itself against the glass. Then a few minutes, few, not minutes, probably a few seconds later, the place just started shaking like hell. Well, I'm in this reptile store. They have... Snakes, monitor lizards, gecko, tarantulas, every kind of critter you can imagine, and obviously a lot of glass. So everybody inside the store ran outside, and we were just probably 40 feet from the freeway, and you could literally see the Nimitz Freeway shaking back and forth. People were trying to duck next to cars, trying to figure out how to stay safe because it was massive. And as the shaking intensified, the last thing I remember was a lot of screaming, then absolute silence, and a very large boom from that freeway falling down. Then there were no screaming, complete silence, and a lot of dust. It was like it happened to me yesterday. It was crazy. I can't imagine the just that that's a perfect way of putting it, because when shock sets in, you know, the screaming and then just the silence of what just happened. Right. Oh, and people were 
grabbing anything they could find to try and climb up on that freeway and find survivors. I mean, it that top level of the freeway literally sandwiched on top of the lower deck and it was like there was no no lower deck there was just a thicker freeway the but most, you knew that inside underneath there were people trapped yeah the most people there were 60 people that died in that earthquake 42 were killed in that nimitz collapse there's total pancaked the the top level onto the bottom level absolutely and the, the one of the weirdest things and i think you know you guys just did the shakeout and one of the most odd experiences for me being in a situation like that is you just have no sense of what is going on anywhere else. There is no cell phone at that time. There were no cell phone communications. There were no radio communications. Almost all the radio stations knocked off the air. So you have no idea if what you're seeing where you are is par for the course or is an exceptional example of a disaster. Yeah, that's so the, you have no bearing. That is the weird thing because I remember watching, you know, I was watching the World Series and turned the TV off before before Al Michaels came back on. I mean, I, I heard him say, you know, we're having an earthquake, but I wasn't really paying attention. And it was so quick that out of the context of, you know, uh, having not felt it yet, the waves hadn't gotten to my house yet. And just seeing the TV mm-hmm. goes down, I just thought the signal was lost and it didn't it didn't. Make I didn't have any recognition that there was an actual earthquake until a couple of seconds later that the waves got to my house. Everything started to shake. That was the craziest, yep. creepiest thing. And then didn't turn the TV back on right away. That was not my. That was not my immediate. Scared. I remember being scared to turn the TV on. Yeah. I remember being scared to like touch anything. And it was it was fifteen seconds, but it felt. Like a half hour. Forever. Yeah. Yes, it felt like forever. And then the weirdest thing for me was being there and seeing the carnage and the disaster that was in front of me. I couldn't hear anything about what was going on, so I didn't know what was normal. And then I finally got radio. I finally got, I worked at KGO Radio at the time, and I finally got a signal. They finally were able to get back on the air, and I was able to hear what was going on. And there were people talking about really small and minor damages. Like, oh, you know, my chimney, I think I lost a few bricks. And, you know, oh, yeah, my chandelier was swaying. So that was really bizarre. And I, so I was able to go to the, the head of this vivarium, the owner, Owen, and I said, you got to let me in there. I got to use the telephone. Nobody even knows what happened here. Everybody is out of, out of touch and I went in and I did the first live report from the Nimitz Freeway. Oh, wow. Standing inside that store. And I deliberately did not look down. I was so terrified of what might be loose in that store. <laughs> I knew if I saw them, I could not get through it. <laughs> I was poised to run. And I was on the phone. And I just did not look. <laughs> that is like, uh, that is a reporter That's right great. there um, <laughs> that you just battle through any conditions to get on the air and to get that information out there. Uh, I remember also, oh. th- do you have that recording, by the way? 
Somewhere I probably do. That would God be cool. Knows where. I would love <laughs> I to hear that. Um, I, I remember think my voice was so shaky. I don't even know what it was. <laughs> I bet. Like. I, I, bet. I, um, I remember because you you pointed out that this was a, a different time. No cell phones. None of that. A lot of phone lines right. were down. And I remember waiting for people to come home. My mom came home, and then I remember us waiting for my brother to come home from football practice, and for my dad to come home from the city. And you just had to wait. And and that's so foreign. Yep. That's so foreign in 2019 to think about that anxiety of just waiting to see if people came home after that. Absolutely. You couldn't text anybody. uh, You you couldn't do anything. You're just like, okay, well, I remember I finally got a phone call out to my mother and I was able to have her call my girlfriend's mom and let her know that she was okay because otherwise she had no idea. But, uh, you know, you have zero communication and you also had just zero reference point about how everything was and you know, I lived in Berkeley at the time, and in my apartment, I remember going home, and I had a lot of little knickknacks and things, and not one thing was off of the shelf. And that was very weird. I mean, wow. how earthquakes can impact one area so drastically, and then another area just a couple miles away can be like nothing happened. Wow. All right. Drive safe. Thank you. You bet. <laughs> Robin Bertolucci there is our program director. She was there That's alongside the Nimitz Freeway back in 1989 on that Tuesday, October 17th, back then. <laughs> That's a great story. It starts out with, I had geckos. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then was terrified about what might be loose in the reptile store. Oh, my store. gosh. Uh, okay, so one thing that we wanted to tell you about is that there is now a MyShake app that was put together by UC Berkeley and their seismology lab that you can download from the, the Apple App Store or Google Play, whatever it is. And according to, uh, according to the governor's office, it should be functional soon. Like within 30 minutes, the governor is going to flip some fake switch and turn the thing on. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see if it works. But um, P.S. My uncle just texted me that he bought tickets from a scalper five minutes before the quake at Candlestick. Uh, on second thought, <laughs> those are the last things he said. On second thought. Uh, all right. When we come back, the latest on what's going on with, uh, with Turkey. We'll read to you the president's letter to uh, President Erdogan of Turkey and Vice President Pence, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo are about to speak in Ankara. They're there to meet with the president of Turkey. Don't be a fool. (laughs) Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Let's go to Turkey where Mike Pence and Mike Pompeo are speaking after meeting with the president there to talk about the ceasefire in Syria. Turkish side will pause Operation Peace Spring. This is Mike Pence. In order to allow for the withdrawal of YPG forces from the safe zone for 120 hours. All military operations under Operation Peace Spring will be paused. And Operation Peace Spring will be halted entirely on completion of the withdrawal. Our administration has already been in contact with Syrian Defense Forces, and we have already begun to facilitate their safe withdrawal from the nearly 20-mile-wide safe zone area south of the Turkish border in Syria. Let me say this uh, also includes an agreement by Turkey to engage in no military action against the community of Kobani. And in addition, the United States and Turkey have both mutually committed 
to a peaceful resolution and future for the safe zone, working on an international basis to ensure that peace and security defines this border region of Syria. In addition to the settlement today with the ceasefire, Turkey and the United States mutually committed to the defeat ISIS activities in northeast Syria. This will also include an agreement renewed today to coordinate efforts on detention facilities and internally displaced persons in formerly ISIS-controlled areas. Also, Turkey and the United States agreed on the priority of respecting vulnerable human life, human rights, and particularly the protection of religious and ethnic communities in the region. I spoke to President Trump just a few moments ago, and I know the President is very grateful for President Erdogan's willingness to step forward and to enact this ceasefire and to give an opportunity for a, a peaceful solution of this conflict that commenced one week ago. For my part, uh, I'm grateful for the President's leadership. Uh, I'm grateful for uh, the more than five hours of negotiations with President Erdogan and his team that arrived at a solution that we believe will save lives. And let me also say I'm very grateful for this team and to be able to have alongside the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, um, our National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien, Ambassador Jim, Jim Jeffries and Ambassador David Satterfield. It was a great privilege. And each of the members of this team contributed equally to achieving this outcome, which is a great contribution to security in this region, and it's a great contribution to the strong and enduring relationship between the United States of America and Turkey. Lastly, I, I want to express my appreciation to millions of Americans who I know were carrying this moment in prayer. We heard from people all over the country whose hearts were heavy with the loss of life in this conflict over the last week, long to see it brought to an end. Um, and I believe their prayers, the strong leadership that President Trump provided to this moment, and the cooperation uh, with President Erdogan and Turkey has made this possible. And so again, uh, let me say, uh, after a week after Turkish forces crossed into Syria, Turkey and the United States of America have agreed to a ceasefire in Syria. It will be a pause in military operations for 120 hours while the United States facilitates the withdrawal of YPG from the affected areas in the safe zone. And once that is completed, Turkey has agreed to a permanent ceasefire. And the United States of America will work with Turkey, uh, will work with nations around the world uh, to ensure that peace and stability is the order of the day uh, in this safe zone on the border between Syria and Turkey. With that, let me recognize Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and thank you, Mr. Secretary, for your great work. Thank you, Mr. President.
We're listening to a news conference. That was Vice President Mike Pence. Here's Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in Turkey. Uh, there, there obviously remains a great deal of work, of work to do in the region. Uh, there's lots of challenges that remain, but this effort tonight sets the conditions uh, for the successful resolution of this particular piece, which created enormous risk and uh, a real risk of instability. And President Erdogan's decision tonight uh, to work alongside President Trump to achieve this ends will be one that I think will benefit uh, Turkey a great deal. Thanks. I know you want to take some questions. Great. Uh, Humeira, where are you? Go right ahead. Um, thank you very much. Um, what do you, how do you, sorry. How do you overcome, um, how will you overcome the damage that's been caused over the past week? There's been a lot of animosity between U.S. and Turkey. A lot of things have been said and a lot of threats of economic sanctions have been made. How are you going to repair uh, the relationship going forward? Thank you. Well, first, as you'll see from the agreement, um, Part of our understanding is that with the implementation of the ceasefire, the United States will not impose any further sanctions uh, on Turkey. And once a permanent ceasefire is in effect, uh, the president has agreed to withdraw the economic sanctions that were imposed this last Monday. But uh, make no mistake about it, Uh, President Trump was very clear uh, with our ally Turkey, about American opposition uh, to Turkish uh, military forces entering Syria. Uh, The president made that uh, clear in his discussions and his correspondence with President Erdogan. Uh, And I believe that the candor and frankness that President Trump applied to this and the strength of his relationship with President Erdogan both contributed to the ability for this agreement to come about. And now we will we will work together to implement this agreement. As I said, uh, our team is already working uh, with uh, uh, YPG personnel in the safe zone uh, for an orderly withdrawal uh, outside uh, the 20 mile mark. Uh, and uh, and we're going to go forward together to bring peace and security to this region. I'm very confident of that. Um, okay, I, uh, uh, Ganja Shenai. Ganja, please. Thank you. Ganja Shenai from TIT World. There are reports by some international organizations on how YPG is treating ethnic and religious minorities in northern Syria. And Christian leaders in Turkey are making calls to the country to ensure peace and security in the region. I'm wondering your thoughts on this. Well, let me let the secretary also address that. But I can tell you that uh, President Erdogan and I spoke at great length about um, the importance of protecting uh, religious minorities in the region. President Erdogan also shared with me the perspective of many leaders uh, in religious communities here in Turkey uh, who had uh, great concerns uh, about violence and persecution uh, taking place uh, along the border. Uh, And so part of our agreement is to continue to work very closely uh, to ensure that uh, religious minorities can thrive and that uh, religious pluralism uh, is uh, is is one of the characteristics of this of this safe zone for some time to come. Mr. Secretary, 
Um, not only this, we've certainly heard from uh, the vice president, heard from Christian leaders around the world who express much of the same concern that you just uh, described. Uh, we think this reduction in violence, this ceasefire, uh, reduces the risk of that. So we think this greatly contributes uh, to protecting religious minorities throughout uh, throughout Syria uh, and throughout the broader Middle East as well. This all obviously happens in the context of lots of religious challenges, lots of challenges for religious persecution in Iraq and other places. Well, we think this is an important contribution in that regard. The other thing is that we talked about at some length um, is that um, to the extent there are abuses that are identified, um, we'll ask um, each leader, certainly President Erdogan and his team and others, to investigate any uh, allegations of abuse that have taken place. And let me maybe add an addendum to that. And one of the things uh, I know the president um, and the American people are most proud of is the investment of hundreds of millions of dollars to help rebuild um, a Christian, Yazidi, and other religious minority communities in the aftermath of the horrifying violence uh, during the during the ISIS uh, period, both in Syria and in northern Iraq. We'll continue to flow those resources to support those communities. But as you'll see from uh, this agreement, it is a specific undertaking by Turkey and by the United States to ensure to protect religious minorities uh, in the affected region. Uh, Sean Tandon. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Vice President. Um, you mentioned that there's an organized withdrawal of the YPG fighters. Can you explain that a little bit more? You said there's been an agreement with them. Where are they going to withdraw to? What do you see of the future of them? And while there are obviously concerns here in Turkey about the YPG and the, the links to the PKK, uh, many in Washington say, for example, that they led part of the fight against the Islamic State group, against ISIS. Uh, what do you see for the future of northern Syria? Uh, do you see any future for, uh, for the Syrian Kurds politically there? Well, our, our commitment uh, with Turkey is that uh, we will work uh, with YPG members, and um, um, we also know as uh, Syria Defense Forces to facilitate an orderly withdrawal over the next 120 hours. And let me say that's literally already begun, um, and where they will be withdrawing from uh, is the demarcation line roughly uh, 20 miles south of the border. Um, uh, Turkey's willingness to uh, pause and to embrace a ceasefire of military operations uh, to enable us uh, to, uh, to see to that orderly withdrawal uh, of, uh, of YPG will... Um, we believe make it possible for that to occur, and it, I know it's already, already underway uh, as we speak. Um, but look, the Turkey's uh, had a great concern uh, about their border, and while the United States of America did not approve of um, their military crossing in, into Syria, um, we we have always endorsed a safe zone. Uh, and it was a matter of, uh, of discussion and negotiations, and, and we believe uh, that, um, uh, that uh, the Kurdish population in Syria, with which we have a strong relationship, will continue to endure. Um, the United States will always be grateful for our partnership with SDF in defeating ISIS, uh, but uh, we recognize the, the importance and the value uh, of a safe zone to create a buffer uh, between uh, 
uh, Syria proper and the Kurdish population and and the Turkish border, and we're going to be working very closely. So we uh, we think the agreement today first uh, ends the violence, which is what President Trump sent us here to do. Uh, I said it again and again to uh, President Erdogan. Is President Trump sent us here to end the violence um, and to achieve an immediate ceasefire. Uh, and uh, thanks to the agreement that we negotiated today and the strong stand that President Trump took, uh, in the preceding days, we've, we've achieved that. Uh, we've also achieved an opportunity uh, by working with YPG to move out of the area to create more peace and security and stability in that buffer zone. And uh, we're going to be working very earnestly to accomplish that. We believe that can be accomplished during the 120-hour period, and after which there will be a permanent ceasefire, and then we'll continue to engage. All right, Again, Mike Pence uh, there, Vice President, speaking from the uh, U.S. Embassy in Ankara, Turkey. He and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo met with and discussed a uh, ceasefire. They met with President Erdogan of Turkey and have agreed to a five-day ceasefire in northern Syria, allowing time for those Kurdish forces to be withdrawn from the area. As Mike Pence just said a couple of seconds ago, this is an opportunity for them to stop the violence immediately as we've seen with other ceasefires in that area of the world, how long does it go? They say 120 hours. They say five days, after which all of the military operations will cease. This is just the opportunity for them to call a timeout, get everybody out of the area, and stop this. That's essentially what it is. It's a timeout. And they said that the United States has already begun to facilitate the safe withdrawal of the Kurds from this nearly 20-mile safe zone. And that Turkey has agreed to engage in no military action against that community of Kobani. I don't know if this is considered a win yet for uh, for President Trump here. I mean, the fact that we have to do this is directly related to the fact that he pulled uh, Americans out of that safe zone that were, that existed. The, the reason that Turkey had not invaded that part of Syria is because we were there. Uh, the letter that's been making its way around is is a it's a strange thing. Yesterday, Congressional leaders, congressional Democrats uh, walked out of a meeting with the president and then talked about how he lost his mind. It was and went a meltdown. Crazy. And meltdown said. was the word. And he, it was funny because the president posted a picture of of that meeting. And in it, it's all these dudes sit, seated at a table. All right. The president's and his people on one side and the Democrats and their people on the other. And right in the middle of that table is Nancy Pelosi. She's wearing bright blue. She's standing up and she's pointing at the president. And he posts it like, look at Nancy. She's so unhinged. She took that picture and made it her cover photo on Twitter. Yeah. The president in that meeting apparently said, listen, I there I did not give permission to President Erdogan of Turkey to do this invasion i didn't it wasn't a thing like hey wink wink nudge nudge you get the green light to do it let's just get let me get my guys out of the way and the way he described that or the way that he proved that was he sent uh or he had copies of this letter ready that he released to the people in the room the way it's worded it makes it very clear that he was the author of this letter oh this yeah this was not run through the communications office dear mr president let's work out a good deal exclamation point you don't want to be responsible for slaughtering thousands of people, and I don't want to be responsible responsible for destroying the Turkish economy, and I will. I've already given you a little sample with respect to Pastor Brunson. 
I've worked hard to, re- to solve some of your problems. Don't let the world down. You can make a great deal. General Maslum is waiting to negotiate with you, and he's willing to make a, a concessions that they would never have made in the past. I am confidentially enclosing a copy of his letter to me just received. He says history will look upon you favorably. If you get this done the right and humane way, it will look upon you forever as the devil. If good things don't happen, don't be a tough guy. Don't be a fool. I will call you later. Sincerely, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> the The date on this thing is what surprised me most about it. That was a week ago. October 9th is the date it on it. It was a week ago. So if this whole thing took place basically late Saturday, early Sunday, or whenever the conversation, the phone conversation allegedly took place, um, it's just an odd this, – this whole situation is an odd thing. I do believe that the White House is going to claim a victory on this. Of course. Even though it wouldn't have happened. That's what this White House does. They create a mess, and then they fix it, and they claim victory. We've seen it time and time again. Uh, all right. So the news just breaking right now. Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, both in Ankara there in Turkey. They met for four hours, they are saying, with the Turkish president, Erdogan. Four hours of negotiations, and there will be a 120-hour ceasefire there to allow the Kurds to get out of that safe zone. That is that is fantastic news. Now, if we can make sure that it stays that way and we don't uh, we don't blow our relationships with the Kurds any more than we already have uh, the ones that we like on our side, then maybe that's fantastic news. All right. uh, A couple other things that we'll get to a little bit later. I mentioned Mick Mulvaney, the acting White House chief of staff. He took to the microphones at the White House, I think, for the first time since he's become the acting White House chief of staff and basically said, yes. The White House did withhold aid to Ukraine in exchange for a promise that Ukraine would investigate corruption. Now, he said it in general terms, but the only corruption that we know that they were talking about um, uh, outside of potential, uh, what's the word, potential intrusion into the, the 2016 election. election was the Joe and Hunter Biden issue. Yeah, but I think that they are going to claim they only wanted to know about corruption from that server well, into the 2016 election. And I think that's why Mick Mulvaney kept it kind of general, kept, yeah. kept saying, listen, it's just that we did want them to look in for, into corruption. And that's what happens when our president talks with the presidents and leaders of other countries. The other big news coming out of Washington is that the president has awarded the G7 summit next year to his Miami area resort that has been struggling Profits have fallen there 70% since he took the White House. And now we're talking about hundreds of diplomats, media, security personnel just flooding into that resort, which means money flooding into that resort. All right. We come back, though. Uh, We'll turn up to Sacramento. Hey, here's the thing. Politicians using money that's not theirs to throw lavish parties. That doesn't happen. Chapter 77. When we come back to Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We're going to have your chance at $1,000 coming up shortly. The president just took to Twitter one minute ago saying this deal could never have been made three days ago. There needed to be some tough love in order to get it done. Great for everybody. Proud of all. 
course, the news that the United States and Turkey have agreed to a five-day ceasefire in Syria to let the Kurds withdraw after our pullout triggered Turkey's invasion. Uh, Never a boring day in Washington. Um, Not only that, but uh, Mick Mulvaney, the acting White House chief of staff, has apparently confirmed that, in fact, the administration did withhold military funds to Ukraine, at least in part because of the desire to have Ukraine investigate these allegations that foreign countries may have aided Democrats in the 2016 election. Now, that I think is um, that I think is where we're going to get down to some brass tacks here in this ongoing investigation. The president, our president, has the ability to suggest to a different country, hey, you guys might want to cut down on that corruption thing. The problem is when you throw the Biden name into that conversation, why would you happen to pick that guy when he's leading in the polls up against you in terms of the 2020 election? But they can't prove it one way or or another. Uh, Speaking of corruption, there is a California prison agency that spent $12,000 of our money, taxpayer dollars, on a retirement party. Man, must have been one hell of a retirement party. Twelve grand. It was a longtime manager named Chuck Patillo who retired from the agency, and they threw a luncheon that would knock your socks off. And I guess I think like the highlight of this luncheon is the bathrooms, actually. Well, it was definitely the most expensive. I know that. The bathrooms came from Royal restrooms yeah this is the top of the line when it comes to portable bathrooms i was going to say something yeah poopers i was going to say portable poopers Ah. i like the alliteration but i pulled back this is we're talking like they've got rugs in these bathrooms there are flowers in these bathrooms uh artwork mints the stalls cost fifty seven hundred dollars to rent out they threw it at a at a place on the property of Folsom prison and so they had to bring in all the stuff with you know tables and chairs and bathrooms but the greatest expenditure was the bathrooms fifty seven hundred dollars okay. I understand mints mm-hmm. um you do I mean some bathrooms like in in restaurants you go to they've got mints you know yeah um, I don't understand I mean, I know they're there, but... Well, they're there in case, you know, you go to the bathroom on your way out, you grab a mint. Oh, like at the end of the meal. at the end of the meal. Got it, okay. It's not for while you're doing your bathroom time. Well, I was going to say, what are you doing in there that made your breath stink? (laughs) But rugs in bathrooms don't sound like a good idea. Nor do flowers (laughs) and artwork. Like, why is that necessary? You shouldn't be spending that much time. But you remember the portable bathrooms they had in Cleveland at the bottom of, like, the bottom floor of that parking garage they put us in? Yes. And we had to traipse a good 12 minutes to the closest latrine? Yes. Those were, I think, similar to this. It was a trailer, basically, that was brought in. Um, Within approximately seven minutes of those things opening, it turned into a, a, a horrific crime scene yeah i mean it's like the porta potties at a a, a ball game yes that's yeah they, they, they're they're livable for three minutes and then after that they should have been is, burned. they should be burned to the ground um now the prison industry authority trains inmates for technical careers uh things like cooking for example and they 
used some of the people in this program to cook the food. I guess uh, some of the women made lasagna and salad and dessert for the 300 guests. Two dozen agency employees took time out of two work days to prepare this whole thing. Now, I I think that this Chuck guy seems like a nice fella, Chuck Patillo. Is he $12,000 worth of nice of our money? Who gets a $12,000 retirement party outside of Chuck Patillo? I mean, who is this in you, general? Is this you being upset that we didn't have a birthday party? Because I'm sensing some rage in that voice. The, the Prison Industry Authority is overseen by the 11-member Prison Industry Board, led by the Secretary of Corrections for the state, Ralph Diaz. Governor and legislature appoint some of the other members. Um, the agency initially told the Sacramento Bee, we don't have to tell you how much money we spent on Chuck's retirement if party. If it's public money, you're damn right you do. They reconsidered the request after a back and forth with the attorney for the Sacramento Bee. The state released the records last week. Now, Chuck had worked for the agency for 14 years. How long have you been working for KFI? 14 years. You think you're going to get a $12,000 retirement party if today you're like, you know what? I had a good run. I'm hanging it up. No. $12,000. But here's the thing. They didn't buy any alcohol. So there's that. Well, that's on the... It's on the... Grounds of Folsom State Prison. They probably can't. It's probably illegal. But they did have another party after this at a brewery. Oh, see, I, which one? Because I've been to a couple in Folsom. I, I don't know. It's no, not listed it's here. It's not listed. No. Hmm. I, I think this is one of the worst. No, this is one of the usual things that we see out of Sacramento. These people could care less about spending money that's not theirs. That's the way it is. That's the way it always works. This is the part I don't understand. They're also taxpayers. You know, you work for the state. It doesn't doesn't mean you don't pay state taxes. It's just that they lose sight of, of where that money came from and who it's going to. You're expecting people to be earnest like yourself, and people are apples. How about this next time? Prison industry authority. Next time Chuck retires, you go down to Party City and you buy him one of those $25 oversized cards and, get and a, get everybody a, signs and it. And get a pizza or a cake. Oh, my gosh. Why would you have to say the P word? I know. I'm sorry. What did you eat in here, by the way? Because it smells really good. Chili. It's yeah, I realize chili. it's only 11 a.m., but right. I'm hungry. I'm going to go make some chili. My chili. Spill any of it? I'm going to go make some chili. <laughs> that sounds funny. Um, Ed Buck. <laughs> Ed Buck. Oh, great. Ed Buck. Apparently, it was an open secret that this guy was extremely abrasive, but politicians, dirty as they are, kept taking money from him anyway. How about this? How about we start getting wind that somebody's doing bad things with other people and we lose them as friends? Okay? I think that's a good way forward. Gary and Shannon will continue. Your chance at $1,000 coming up next as well. I'll give you
If you win that $1,000, by the way, they will contact you by phone. That's how we tell you you won. But it uh, might be from a number you don't recognize. And if you don't answer it, they'll move on to somebody who will. Hot tip. It's going to be in the 513 area code. Another chance an hour from now, 20 minutes after the hour. In fact, a chance to win 1000 bucks once an hour, Monday through Friday, 5 in the morning through the 6 o'clock hour right here on KFI. Did Mick Mulvaney just screw over the president? The White House chief of staff said this hour that, yes, there was quid pro quo with Ukraine because it was all about looking into corruption. But Mulvaney said that the desire for Ukraine to investigate Democrats is partly why we held up the money. Yeah. Not wholly. Not wholly, but definitely a part of it. The president right now is in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and he's been speaking about the big uh, announcement from just uh, 30 minutes ago or so. Mike Pence and uh, Mike Pompeo, the vice president and secretary of state, came forward and talked about a ceasefire that's been agreed to in North Syria. The president has been saying that this is a great deal for everybody, so we'll keep an eye on that. And at 12.30, we'll talk more about not just Mick Mulvaney's comments, but the president's comments, some of the Mike Pompeo stuff as well. Uh, And then, of course, that big meeting that uh, blew up yesterday, right about this time when members of Congress, congressional leaders were in the White House to talk to the president about the issues in North Syria. Well, Ed Buck, a very well connected politically guy for years with Democrats, is now in big trouble because he was preying on vulnerable gay black men who were homeless, addicted to drugs or working as escorts. He would lure them to his apartment where he manipulated them into doing drugs for his own sexual gratification. Several men have claimed that Buck injected them with methamphetamine as they slept. He has been federally charged with providing the meth that led to the deaths of Jamil Moore and Timothy Dean. Prosecutors say a third black man nearly died of an overdose in Buck's home last month, and that was the evidence they needed to charge him with battery and operating a drug den. Here's the thing about Ed Buck, though. People knew that this guy was an apple. So much so, there were certain city employees in West Hollywood that refused to meet alone with him. He unnerved two people at council meetings to the the degree that they had sheriff's deputies accompany them to their cars afterward. But yet he went on being a political fixture in West Hollywood. It's it's one thing for us to sit here and say, well, obviously Ed Buck had all of these warning signs and people should have distanced themselves from him. But I wonder how many of us do this in our own lives. I mean, there's somebody that you you work with or you are friends with at some point and you start to see changes, but you kind of talk yourself out of out of seeing them in an attempt to keep that person close to you because somehow they're beneficial to you. Like, say you do a show with somebody. Right. And this guy is just a freaking maniac. I hear you. I mean, the blue humor is off the charts right. with this guy. Um, but, you know, the, the show is called this guy's name and your name. Right. And you're connected. So you mm-hmm. just, like, look past all of his all crazy of the S. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. A Times analysis of campaign finance records show that since the mid-2000s, he's given more than 500 grand to political candidates. That's 500,000 reasons why people (laughs) looked 
the other way. Uh, Forty uh, politicians currently holding office in California have received donations from him, including Gavin Garcetti, Ted Lieu, Adam Schiff. Now, there's a city councilman, John Duran, who says that Ed Buck once hung an effigy of him in a park. He said that that was in 2005, and he created a website as well about the time called dumpduran.com that declared that uh, declared John had sold out to developers. And there was digitally altered images of John Duran's face that had exaggerated bags under his eyes. I love that, that this guy is so catty that yes. he thinks that bags under the guy's eyes would be the thing that would really turn people off. It's West Hollywood. <laughs> You don't have any bags under your eyes if you're in West Hollywood. Oh, my gosh, and his skin was dry. Buck was among a group of preservationists fighting to save a 1915 colonial-style estate nicknamed Terra for its resemblance to the plantation home in Gone with the Wind. And John Duran had become the target of John Buck's wrath, wrath over his vote to turn the home into a senior living home. Now, what I think is weird is a couple of years later, they become best buddies. Or at least I should say... They become allies. They bonded over fur on a local ban over the sale of fur. Again, West Hollywood. Yeah, so John Duran says you often end up rubbing elbows with somebody that may be in previous campaigns you were mortal enemies with. And he actually went on to work as a lawyer for Ed Buck. That has been widely criticized, but he says it was limited to discussing real estate issues. Mm-hmm. He said, Ed is not a bad person. Time out. He's a drug addict. Stop. Sadly, this is what addiction looks like. No, 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 no. no. This is what murder looks like. This is what assault and battery looks like when you bring in a vulnerable kid and you shoot him up with methamphetamine because it gets you off when they're just on the brink of overdosing. Don't forget the cowboy boots and long underpants. Oh, I forgot that. That's... There's one thing uh, that addiction does hurt people outside of the addict, right? I mean, it can hurt family and friends, clearly. But when you're doing actions like this, when you're actually perpetrating crimes on people, that is the definition of a bad person. Yes, he may also be a drug addict, but that's the definition of a bad person. Yeah, that is not what drug addiction looks like. You cannot explain that away, John. 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 All right, coming up next, there's a skeleton that has been found. It's a mystery beneath Mount Williamson. They never heard of Mount Williamson. Me either. Nick, where's Mount Williamson? Wait, we'll get our climbing you expert climb on this. Uh, we'll get our climbing expert. Whitney. Uh-huh. Oh. It is there? I didn't think it was. Well, you're not the expert. Nick's the expert. It's a big one. Do you have a shirt that lists all the mountains in California? No, you don't. Nick does. Gary and Shannon will continue. Do you turn it up? Do you sing along every time you hear that song? Like we did then. Like we did when. Do you close your eyes? Does it make you laugh? Do the memories take you back? To six packs in a Chevy Cheyenne. Way back when I was Jack and you were dying. Helen Hunt was in a bad accident. Yeah. Been hospitalized. I guess her SUV was T-boned in the Mid-City area. Yeah, we were never growing up. Growing she has not old, been active lately. No. Think of the last thing she was in. Like rock and roll. Where's it Are you one of the 10 million people who is now following Jennifer Aniston on Instagram? What do you think? I don't, I don't know. I honestly can't read that. I don't know. 
No. I, I am. You are? I am. I was one of the first four million. <laughs> Not to brag, but... I like her. I kind of knew Jennifer Aniston before anybody else did. Yeah. I got in back, on that before she was nothing. Yeah, you were back yeah. in the... Uh, what was that Silver Spoons? She, she was, was in on? Silver Spoons? I want to say something really? like that. She played a girlfriend like it was a bit part. And her father was on Days of Our Lives for a long time. I knew that. I think his name was John Aniston. I enjoyed her in Office Space. She was fun in that movie. She wore a lot of the bling, right? She was the one that had the... Right. Uh, the, the, not bling, No, it was... Um, flair. Flair. All the pieces of flair. Yeah. We've also come been over and watch Kung Fu. We've been following uh, what's been going on. There's a lot out of Washington, D.C. Uh, with Mick Mulvaney, the acting White House chief of staff, acknowledging that military funds to Ukraine were withheld, at least in part because we, at least the United States, the administration, wanted to have Ukraine investigate allegations that there were foreign countries that may have helped Democrats in the 2016 election. Although it's going to be hard to try to extract that from the also for the request also to look into Joe and Hunter Biden and their business dealings there. Um, so uh, along the, the, the train of thought about what's been going on in Turkey, by the way, we heard an hour ago, Mike Pompeo and vice president Mike Pence come forward and talk about a ceasefire that's been agreed to uh, officially Turkey is saying this is not a ceasefire. Turkey is saying this. We're just we're just pausing we're, to give everybody a chance to right, get out of there. Right. And we're labeling it a ceasefire because that's what we called on them to, to do. Right. And the Turkey says this only operation will stop or this operation will only stop if their conditions are met. So as congratulatory as the original news conference was, Turkey is saying uh, pump the brakes, Mike's. And uh, let's see if we can get this thing worked out for sure. Well, California's second highest peak happens to be Mount Williamson. And as climbers were closing in on the top of this mountain, they came across quite the grisly discovery. Bones buried in a boulder field. It looked like they found a human skull. Tyler Hoffer says he and his climbing buddy moved rocks aside and discovered an entire skeleton. It'd been there long enough that all remained were bones, a pair of leather shoes, and a belt. How creepy. Nick, do you ever uh, do you ever come across a body when you're hiking on the mountains? I know you hike all the mountains. Uh, no, not yet. No? What's the weirdest thing you've ever found? Human or otherwise? Um, That's a good question, though. Either one would be great. Every, great story. You do find little remnants of plane crashes up there. Really? And uh, one time a, a herd of bighorn sheep came stampeding down. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, out of nowhere. Like a, oh, cool. I'm like sure that's of, the word that came out of his mouth. Well, we had to get out of the way pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't think we can say the word that came out uh, of his mouth. No bones or bodies, though. No, <laughs> no bones or bodies. Yet. The, the body was discovered October 7th near a lake in this rock-filled bowl between Mount Tyndall and Mount Williamson. Williamson is 14,374 feet or 14,379 feet, depending on who you Pay attention to, I guess. Um, this guy and his friend had gone off the trail. Uh, there wasn't really a trail, but they'd gone off the route as they picked their way through boulders when one of them moved the boulder and found, like you said, this fractured human skull. Eventually, they moved more rocks and found the entire skeleton. The He 
called somebody from the summit, reported what he found, went to the sheriff's department the next day to talk with investigators. The search and rescue coordinator said that bodies found in the mountains are usually connected with somebody they know who has gone missing. But finding the remains of somebody who may not have been missing or even worse, not reported missing is the weirder thing for them. So they're going to try to use DNA to identify the remains. The body is so decomposed, they say it's been there probably for decades. Here's a couple of weird things. They've already ruled out who they might be. Lieutenant, First Lieutenant Matthew Kraft, a Marine from Connecticut who vanished in February during a 200-mile ski trek through the Sierra. Now, one of the reasons they would say that probably is because the body's way too old for that. I mean, this body had been there way too long. Matthew Green is also still missing, a climber from Pennsylvania that was last seen in the Mammoth Lakes area about 70 miles north back in 2013. They've gone through decades of reports of missing people in the uh, Inyo National Forest. It came up empty. Man. Uh, Sequoia and Kings Canyon, which are right there, they don't have any reports of anyone missing in that area. Oh, wait, I'm going to throw, throw a little wrench into your works here. Ready? Mm-hmm. Tyler, uh, the one who found him, Tyler Hoffer. Yeah. He said it looked like the body was intentionally put there. Right. So here's my question. If you killed someone and you were going to hide the body, you're going to climb to near the top of the mountain with a body on you? No, no, no. I don't think that's what. I don't think that. Now, what's your hypothesis? Uh, Let's say you you are on a show and uh, with somebody. And the show is named your name and somebody else's name, right? Yeah. And you uh, go hiking together. And then one of you can't take it anymore and uh, is like, if you don't stop whining and complaining, uh, we're turning around and we're leaving. And it doesn't stop. And then, you know, you come to blows and somebody hits their head on a rock or a rock hits somebody on the head. And you leave her there. Did I say her? And then you're like, well, I can't bring her down. I ain't carrying that thing down. <laughs> that was so hurtful. So hurtful. <laughs> He's cracked him up himself up so much he can't even speak. All right. Coming up next. There's some new shows. Sorry, man. I, I, I tried to carry her. Uh, New shows. I only got about 10 yards, and I had to give up. Maybe if you worked out once in a while, you would be able to carry Oh, my God, she's recruiting you for CrossFit. Yeah, maybe if you hit up CrossFit (laughs) or ballet, you'd be in better shape. Ballet. (laughs) I would actually pay money to see that. I think he'd be pretty good. Do you want to see me in tights, or do you want to see me dance? Because one of those can be arranged. Don't be inappropriate. I would like to see you dance like... (laughs) Chris and Carlos' daughter. It's 2019. You can't threaten to wear tights around here. Yeah. Threaten, huh? All right. Some new shows coming up, premiering that the, the critics say are damn good. We'll get with Jason Nathanson when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Monica, look at this. Look. I'm just kidding. Oh. What's going on? <laughs> I hate you guys. You got a little. You can use much more.
Gary and Shannon, Thursday, October 17th. The White 30, House. Uh, 30. Oh, sorry. 30. 30. 30 years ago, the uh, Loma Prieta earthquake up in Northern California. Isn't that crazy? 30 years. We got old. <laughs> the White House is acknowledging that the president asked Ukraine's leader to investigate... Ukraine's role in meddling in the 2016 presidential campaign that there was quid pro quo. Uh, the sad story out of D.C. today was that Elijah Cummings died. Longtime congressman from Maryland died early today. The president today ordered that uh, all flags be ho- uh, flown at half staff, mark of respect for the memory and longstanding public service of Representative Elijah Cummings of Maryland. And he actually wrote a nice tweet this morning that was. Uh, an, an honor and uh, kind of the heart goes out to the family and friends of uh, the congressman. Well, now that all of the new network shows have debuted for the fall, Jason Nathanson joins us with uh, some great streaming shows that are about to premiere. Jason, what do you know? There's a couple really good ones coming out this weekend. One of them is on Amazon. And I watched, I saw this for the first time a couple months ago. It's called Modern Love. And it's based on, there's a New York Times article. I think, I don't know if they run it every Sunday or when it runs, but it's people write in about their love stories, how they met their partners. Oh, I love uh, that column. Yeah, it's on, in the yes. Sunday Times, I think. Ex- exactly. So they, take, they took that column, which became a podcast, and now it's a show. So they've taken in those stories, and it's an anthology series, so each one is different, and they have different actors and actresses in them. Um, and uh, they have stars like Anne Hathaway, Tina no, Fey. Some re- out. Which one? Anne yeah, Hathaway? Yeah. That's- <laughs> he freaks out with her. Uh, uh, fr- freaks out. Some people have a real issue with Anne Hathaway and will okay. not touch so, anything she's involved in. I will say this. If you have that issue with her, you are going to hate this episode because it is very <laughs> Anne Hathaway. Yay. But but if you stick with it, and it, it, at the beginning I thought, oh, wow, this is, a, this is a lot of Anne Hathaway and she's over the top. But there's a very specific reason, and it all makes sense once you watch it to the end. And it's actually a very good episode. So, you know, I, I understand, Gary, your reservations and where you might be coming from. So that episode might not be for you. But for the others, if you like, you know, if you like love stories, if you like romantic comedies, things like that, uh, this is very much in that vein and something, you know, I think we don't get a whole lot of on the big screen these days um and love is nice love, i love you know, that love is nice. love love yeah love I'm all, love so i'm mo- all in so modern family is a good one that'll drop on Mo- Amazon. modern love modern, the love. modern family right modern love <laughs> <laughs> modern family is another show yes uh and then another one uh premiering tomorrow or tonight whatever time uh, it matters to you on netflix is living with yourself this stars Paul Rudd, and Paul. It's, I believe it's his first show that he's ever been the the sole star of. You know, we've seen him in movies, we've seen him in uh, some great character p- uh, parts as well. But this is a show about a guy. He plays a guy who's kind of down, depressed, wants to change his life. Somebody tells him to go to this spa to get a specific treatment, and I won't get too much into exactly what happens. But if you watch the trailer, it's all out there. The, there becomes a clone of Paul. Rudd. So there's two Paul Rudds in this. There's a happy Paul Rudd and a, and a more dep- uh, depressed Paul Rudd, and he, he has to kind of deal with himself. And it's 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 weird, and it's funny. It's a little dark, and I I it's half an hour long. So I started watching this I think the other night, and I went through all eight episodes within a day, pretty much. It's a it's a really fast watch and a really good show. 
Is it because I mean you got through it because it was that good or because it was that yeah. easy? There's a difference. They these shows have become very very smart, especially the ones that are on the streaming services where they know you're going to binge it, where they put some kind of cliffhanger at the end or something to make you watch. The writers have, have gotten very adept at doing that. So this is the kind of show where something is going to happen at the end of every episode, and you'd be like, well, I, now I, I got to see what happened. And it's also very good. I, I love Paul Rudd, uh, just about everything he's ever been in. Um, so I will watch him do most things. But this show is it's very funny, but it's also it's strange. It's a little bit science fiction, but not really. Uh, it's just in that kind of weird alternate universe reality. Uh, and there's also a great actress in it who plays his wife. Her name is Ashling B. She's an Irish actress who is uh, up and coming. She's going to be doing a lot of things, but she also has a show on Hulu, which just came out on Hulu called This Way Up. And if you're a fan of Fleabag and those kinds of shows, this would that show that she just did is kind of a great kind of holdover since there's no more Fleabag. Uh, so some great characters in this, uh, and both of those shows are, are really good. Hey, thanks for the recommendations, Jason. You're very welcome. Man, you're good at what you do, Jay. Appreciate it. I feel like I'm in a hot yes, tub yeah. in Oklahoma. I love love. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Jason Nathan's in there with the latest on some of these good shows that are coming out. Now, um, as soon it, as he said, if you like Fleabag, I like ran to yes, Google the that. trailer of This Way Up. Modern Love is on Amazon. Living With Yourself with Paul Rudd is on Netflix. And This Way Up was that last one we were talking about on Hulu. All right. We'll talk trending when we come back. Sometimes I feel like giving up, but I- Carrie and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Another big thank you to everybody who showed up last night to our special Castle in the Hills full of magic last night, our event with the California Earthquake Authority and the American Red Cross. That was fun. It was an absolute, I loved, some of that stuff is just so frustrating. The magic? The close-up magic where I know exactly what the guy's doing. I know exactly where the card is the whole time. Mm -hmm. And he still tricks me every time. Like, it's right in front of my face that I know what he's doing and I can't figure it out. You kept trying to pawn yourself off as a magician. Well, it was... (laughs) If you've never been there, people just walk up to you and go, Hey, you want to see a card trick? And it's one of the people who works there, obviously. It's somebody who's done this for years and years and years. Someone gave you a card. Yeah, one of the magicians. One of the magicians gave you a card. It's his business card. And on one side, it's got his information. On the back of it is just a normal playing card. So it happened to be the Jack of Diamonds. So I stuck it in my breast pocket in my suit jacket. And I would walk up to somebody, preferably with a glass of wine in their hand or some other sort of alcoholic drink, which made made me believe that they were a little bit more um, malleable, shall we say. And I'd say, you want to see one more magic trick? I want you to think of a card. And I want you to think of a card that represents a young boy. And I want you to think of a card that represents a young boy of royalty. Did you use this voice? I did. Okay. And I want you to think of a card that represents a young boy of royalty and wealth. And he can buy things with his wealth. And they say... You got a card? 
And they go, yeah. And I'd say, tell me your card. And they go, four of clubs. And I'd say, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to move on to someone who hasn't had as much wine. No, they'd say Jack of Diamonds. And then I'd pull that Jack of Diamonds out of my breast pocket in my coat. And they go, oh, my God. Did you? Uh, what is that, Jay? Did you? <laughs> Jay, it's so big. Did you tell your wife about the woman who tried to grab your genitals? It was not a, it wasn't a grab. It was more of a. You don't have to change the story because you feel victimized. Like that happened to you and you'll never be the man that that didn't happen to. What else is going on? (laughs) Time for What's Happening. Turkey has agreed to a ceasefire in Syria, except for Turkey says we did not agree to a ceasefire in Syria. We've agreed to pause to let the Kurds get the hell out of there, but we're not leaving. Uh, yeah. It's a pause in military operations for 120 hours. Yes, and then after that five days, Mike Pence says everything will be done. The Operation Peace Spring, I think is what it was called, will end after this five-day ceasefire. I don't know if that's the case. To be honest, ceasefires in that part of the world mean as much as... um, hmm. The wadded up tissue that uh, Handel left on the counter earlier today. Like that, they, they don't mean much in that part of the world. Speaking of, the White House announced today that the president is going to host the G7 summit next year. We at, knew that. At one of his properties. Yeah. The, the one near Miami. Doral International Resort in Miami coming up in June. This is a struggling resort right now. Uh Profits have plummeted about 70% since the president took office, and this is going to be a wave of money into this struggling resort. Uh, Mick Mulvaney, the acting White House chief of staff, held an unusual news conference today, or I should say rare. It was, I guess it was also unusual, but this came up, this question of how in the world is this not a gigantic conflict of interest? And Mick Mulvaney told reporters it does not represent a conflict, quote, The president has pretty much made it clear that he doesn't profit, that the resort would host the foreign delegations for the G7 at cost, and that Doral was far and away the best physical facility for this meeting. Um, The presidential retreat at Camp David, for example, he said, is miserable. (laughs) Now, how in the world? Somebody also asked him. Violate the emoluments clause. Somebody actually asked him. In the context of what we're talking about with the questions about the Bidens and how Hunter Biden profited for something basically on his name while his father was vice president, how is this not the same style of politics? And Mick Mulvaney said, well, clearly Hunter Biden got a profit here. We're talking about hosting the G7 summit at Doral at cost, so there's no profit. No, because those are rooms and and everything else that would not have been booked. Well, and even if they do it at cost, like we're not going to make any money over the top of it. What a giant advertisement that is for Doral. Yeah. Uh, Global advertisement, free global advertisement. Elijah Cummings has died. 68 years old, he died at Johns Hopkins Hospital due to complications from longtime health challenges. He was a sharecropper's son, and he became the powerful chairman of that U.S. House committee that's investigating the president. 
This is a the the unfortunate thing about this. This guy had a long history in politics in the state of Maryland. He came up through the House of Delegates. He won his congressional seat in a special election in '96 to replace Kwesi Mfume, who had gone on to uh, to lead the NAACP. His uh, he's just got an incredible history. Yeah, in grade they, school, a counselor told him he was too slow to learn and that he spoke poorly and he would never fulfill his dream of becoming a lawyer. He told the AP back in 1996 when he heard that he was devastated. He said, my whole life changed. And that moment, I became very determined to prove that counselor wrong, going on to not only become a lawyer, but one of the most powerful speakers in politics. And one of those guys who never went too far away from home, born in Baltimore, went to high school, went to Howard University in D.C., um, went to University of Maryland School of Law. The unfortunate thing about this is the la- really the last headlines that he was making all had to do with the fight with the president over the quality of life in Baltimore. Yeah. You remember that. Baltimore is a great city, by the way. Uh, if you go to Baltimore and you don't have crab cakes, you're committing a crime. The president, by the way, did also send out a nice tweet early this morning uh, when he found out about uh, Elijah Cummings' death. And said, my warmest condolences to the family and many friends of Congressman Elijah Cummings. I got to see firsthand the strength, passion, and wisdom of this highly respected political leader. His work and voice on so many fronts will be very hard, if not impossible, to replace exclamation point. Which is the key to me to prove that he, in fact, did write that himself. I have good news coming up next. Along with your chance at $1,000, it looks like you can eat only mac and cheese and not get fat. Yes. Oh, okay. There's one story that will be trending soon. I just want to throw this in there because I just saw it. If you subscribe to the journal Science, look through and find um, on pages 346 through 351 the hierarchical interlocked orthogonal faulting in the 2019 Ridgecrest earthquake sequence. It talks all about how there's a new earthquake fault in California capable of ripping off an 8.0. It's called the Garlock Fault, and we're all going to fall into the ocean. And die. Maybe die. Maybe swim. We shall see. (laughs) We've got a great story about owls. Actually, it's not a great story. It's a sad story. If you... What story? It's coming up in Strange Science. Oh, that story, yes. I thought you meant... I don't know what you meant. If you win that $1,000, by the way, you'll get a phone call from a number you probably don't recognize, a 513 area code. Did you uh, think I meant it in like a dirty way? Somehow? No, no. I just felt like there was a story. I can't remember. Anyway. You have another chance to win next hour, 20 minutes after the hour. In fact, a chance to win $1,000 once an hour, Monday through Friday, from 5 in the morning through 620 at night right here on KFI. Your story about somebody stealing owls. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Huh. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Your daughter is in the news. It's so funny. Isn't that cool? It is so funny. I mean, there's more to it than that, but uh, they could potentially go undefeated in uh, in their league volleyball play. She's in the news for being an athlete. How cool is that? It's great. Yeah. Um, my wife sent me the link to it, and I looked it up. Those are some good quotes in there. Who Who's that? Money quotes. <laughs> and the thing is, it's not even, thank God it's not the cliche. You know, we just gave it our no, 110%. You can tell how competitive she is in that. I love it. Which is weird because her face does not belie the competitive nature of what she was talking about. Uh, 
some fire in there. Uh, there was, and I forgot to tell you, there was another, there was a guy that was watching the latest volleyball match that we've known for a while who sent her a beautiful text afterwards, like, you were killing it out there. Great job. So, anyway, nice. Um, a mac and cheese. Austin Davis is 20 years old, and he has been eating mac and cheese for 17 years. And you're thinking, well, so what? So have I been eating mac and cheese my whole life. I enjoy mac and cheese, but mac and cheese is all Austin eats. He lives in Keystone Heights. That's right. Keystone Heights, Florida. It's near Gainesville. Mm. And he has eaten nothing but mac and cheese for 17 years. He says, I don't want to say I'm addicted to it because it sounds weird, but my body won't let me eat anything else. He says that I did not choose to be like this. According to his therapists, he actually has an eating disorder known as avoidant or restrictive food intake disorder, which it's a mental condition. It's not a physical condition, but the mental condition can actually trigger negative physical reactions. John has this. No. Yes. John does not have yes, this. Yes, he does. He only eats meats, uh, burgers. Well, or uh, maybe he does. Yeah, because he ha- like has a gag reflex when he puts new things like broccoli. Or kale. <laughs> if, if, um, well, when we had him in, was it a week and a half ago? It was it yeah. Tuesday ago, two Tuesdays ago, when we had him on to talk about that study that said that a quarter of Americans have never eaten vegetables. And he talked about when, when he does have vegetables in his mouth, mm-hmm. it's a weird metallic taste that he gets. So right. I, maybe he does have this. In this case, Austin Davis was apparently, um, when he was a child, he was removed from his home and diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder after he'd been physically abused by his father. Oh, man. He deserves mac and cheese for life. He can do whatever he wants. Here's my takeaway, guys. I'm looking at a picture of Austin, and he's not overweight. So my takeaway is, hell, eat all the mac and cheese you want. I think we learned we learned that if you eat McDonald's for 30 days in a row, you're going you're gonna to lose some weight. He likes craft uh, Deluxe. I don't know if I've ever had craft Deluxe. I just have the normal craft mac and cheese, right? Mm-hmm. And Easy Mac is great, too. If you don't want to go through the whole rigmarole of boiling water, you get those Easy Mac things, and uh, they taste damn near the same. He says he knows it's bad for his health, that he sought help in the past, but has said that he had trouble finding a therapist who would understand the disorder. Again, avoidant to restrictive food intake disorder. He says his ride-or-die mac and cheese is that original Velveeta shells and cheese. Sometimes he'll get Annie's. Sometimes he'll get Bob Evans. So he, he switches up the brands. That sounds like a good life. He works out four times a week, most of it boxing to try to stay in as good a shape as he can. And he says, I know I have to maintain physical activity to keep myself fit, especially cons- since I have an awful carb-filled diet. I wonder how he is, his plumbing is. I'm sorry? His plumbing. Which plumbing? The his, indoor or the his outdoor? gastrointestinal health. I wonder how that is. With just mac and cheese for 17 years and nothing else. Probably orange. On the inside, it's like, like, when, that, like, pow- when flamingos like that powder, turn craft pink. powder color. <laughs> Nick, I, I, I'm sorry. Blake, I have a quick gas go around. I need to. If you were afflicted with avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, which food would you eat for the rest of your life? Pizza. I said Blake. Oh. <laughs> Wait, that was going to be actually my answer. Can I not pick that? 
Okay, you're going to need to be specific. I need a brand. Okay. And you can't a, pick a brand. And ingredients. I know, and that's why I said that. Because if we're all going to pick pizza, we need to be specific. Okay. But he didn't. Blake. Um, do I have, to, I have to pick a brand? Yeah. Uh, crap. Um, can I just go with, like, deluxe pizza? I like the ones with all the veggies and stuff on it. <sighs> Quitter. Yes, you can go with the deluxe veggie pizza. What? That's my favorite. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> Italian sausage. There we go. Get that meat in your mouth. Nick? Oh. Mm. <laughs> uh, chicken nuggets. The, di- the dino ones. The Aww. dino ones. That's really cute. All right. Monica? I would say tacos. Oh, that's a strong choice. That's yeah. Shannon? Uh, mine would be Pagliacci's pizza with uh, pepperoni, sausage, and green bell peppers. Also, I would also make a case for Totino's combination pizza that you can find at your local Ralph's or Vaughn's. Anybody else hear her voice quivering in excitement right now? <laughs> She's been I'm talking, talking about, about pizza for a few days now. A lifetime of pizza, Blake. She's not even uh, blinking, too. I would have to... Can I... Liquids don't count, right? Like, I can have as many liquids as I want. No, no, I mean, I... Because my pizza would be very high salt content. Yeah. I need to drink liquid yeah, you with you could it. have some water. That's okay. how you stay alive. Uh, Vincenzo's, a Hawaiian pizza with Ooh. the green peppers. Mm. Oh, mm. I've never had green peppers oh on a Hawaiian pizza. Oh, my gosh. It would be fantastic. It's not so sausage in my mouth, Blake. That's true. You're right. It's just pizza. <laughs> All Swamp right. Tacos in my case. Swamp watch when we come back. Gary and Shannon. I got no rules, I count them. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Anytime on the iHeartRadio app, you can listen to our podcasts of times past. Like earlier today, we were talking about, uh, along with the great ShakeOut earthquake drill, our memories of the uh, Loma Prieta earthquake from 30 years ago, if you can believe that, 30 years ago today. That earthquake up in Northern California, 1989, interrupted Game 3 of the World Series. Um, Speaking of baseball, the American League Championship Series gets back in order today. They had to take the game off, uh, take the night off yesterday because of rain. So Game 4 in the Bronx tonight, Astros at Yankees uh, in football world. The Kansas City Chiefs are in Denver to take on the Broncos. It's time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. All right, so... The latest... In my defense... Oh, yeah? uh, It was Petros that held me up. He was telling me all about the Little Apple, which is Manhattan, Kansas. Where he's traveling to. Oh, this this weekend, I'm he's got a game, game in Kansas. Huh? Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay, so let's. Uh, where should we start here? I feel like. Uh, well, let's start uh, with what happened in D.C. today. Perfect. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, uh, and I think the sad news we'll start with because I wanted to read something from Twitter today. Uh, the sad news is that uh, Congressman Elijah Cummings had passed away at the age of 68. Relatively young, I think, but uh, I guess had some health issues and had been battling with some health issues for some time. Elijah Cummings was a representative from Maryland since about 1996 and most recently was making headlines, unfortunately, for the ongoing um, 
what's the word, PP match between he and the president about the quality of life in Baltimore. But a longtime, well-respected guy in terms of the other people in uh, Congress who worked alongside of him. Trey Gowdy. Trey Gowdy recently retired as a congressman from South Carolina. Trey Gowdy. I don't think you could find one thing that those two guys would agree on politically. But I want to read to you what Trey Gowdy wrote on Twitter about Elijah Cummings. Elijah Cummings is one of the most powerful, beautiful, and compelling voices in American politics. The power and the beauty came from his authenticity, his conviction, the sincerity with which he held his beliefs. We rarely agreed on political matters. We never had a crossword outside of a committee room. He had a unique ability to separate the personal from the work. The story of Elijah's life would benefit everyone regardless of political ideation wouldn't that be nice if everyone was like that that could uh, disagree with you but be civil with you in, uh, in in your real life yeah he goes on to say the obstacles barriers and roadblocks he overcame the external and sometimes internal doubt that whispered in the ear of a young elijah cummings he beat it all he beat the odds He goes on to say, it is true, Elijah was a proud progressive with a booming, melodious voice who found himself in the middle of most major political stories over the past decade. It is inescapable that be part of his legacy, but his legacy also includes the path he took to become one of the most powerful political figures of his time. It is a path filled with pain, prejudice, obstacles, and doubt that he refused to let stop him. His legacy is perseverance. His legacy is fighting through the pain. And he says his legacy to me, again, this is Trey Gowdy talking about Elijah Cummings, his legacy to me above all else was his faith, a faith in God that is being rewarded today with no more fights, no more battles, and no more pain. And then, of course, people are apples and are saying, don't forget he was a crook, et cetera. Oh, God. But just it was so well done in terms of paying tribute to a class. Good word. Class. Acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney making news today. He told reporters that the president blocked nearly $400 million in military aid to Ukraine, in part to force the government to investigate what happened with any sort of interference in the 2016 election involving the Democrats. Now, the key there was in part... Well, what's the other part of it? It leaves open the door that the other part, the other reason to withhold the money was they wanted Ukraine to investigate the Bidens. Yeah, here's just one of his comments that this kind of thing happens all the time. What you just described is a quid pro quo. It is funding will not flow unless the investigation into the into the Democratic server uh, happens as well. We, we do we do that all the time with foreign policy. <laughs> we do. We withhold money in exchange for information. See, uh, information the, on our political rivals. <laughs> that's the thing is you can't separate. He was he was saying, or I said you, I said you can't separate. You can, and the White House is trying to separate the. We would love it if you would help us figure out exactly what happened with the email server the Democratic National Committee had with CrowdStrike, et cetera, in 2016. Now, the president in that phone call, even to his own uh, in his own words, also acknowledged that Ukraine should investigate Hunter and Joe Biden. That's the issue. And that's the biggest issue that they need to look at and see if, in fact, that was part of that quid pro quo. Or if it was just a throwaway line, hey, I happen to be running against that guy for president, probably. 
I don't. Mick Mulvaney kind of stepped on his own. Um, I think so too. Oh, but the Doral thing as well. This is another thing that came out of the Mick Mulvaney press conference. Donald Trump's brand is probably strong enough as it is, and he doesn't need any more help on that. Okay, he's talking about the G7 summit scheduled for June. We are hosting next time, and we are hosting it now. The administration has announced at. Trump's Doral Resort near Miami there. This was a struggling, is a struggling resort. Profits have fallen 70% after the president took over the Oval Office. And it's going to bring hundreds of diplomats, media, security personnel right there. And Um, it's going to be a global advertisement. I don't know what sort of recourse Congress has here, but in all honesty, I don't think this ever comes to fruition. I don't think this ever actually happens people I think are already be crying enough. crying foul because of well, the emoluments that's that's what's clear about this and and the question i played this quick sound but i'll play the whole thing here the question to mick mulvaney was how is this not helping the president's business i mean that's spelled out in the constitution you can't profit from your office that's exactly what this appears to be even if they did it at cost the thing is, is they can't prove the advertising value of this event being yes. held there. It's an intangible. Right. But Donald the- Trump's brand is probably strong enough as it is, and he doesn't need any more help on that. This is not like it's it's the most recognizable name in the English language and probably around the world right now. So, no, that's, that, that has nothing to do with it. I mean, he, he does have a point there, but the idea – and somebody was asking Mick Mulvaney – who again I have a lot of respect for, and some of uh, what I loved about his speech was or his uh, news conference today was he's a very matter of fact guy. He's not trying to obfuscate; he's just playing this spin poorly, I think. And somebody asked him, "Why would you allow this? What was the conversation like? How did you narrow down the list? And why was a Trump property on there? If, if even for the appearance of impropriety, why wasn't it taken off the list?" And he kind of just rolled his eyes and said, why are you guys keep saying this? It's not improper at all. Uh, I don't think that goes through. Again, June is when they're supposed to do that. I think they'll find some other place to put it. All right. The other big piece of information that came out today was about Syria and the ceasefire. Is it a ceasefire or is it not a ceasefire? It's all about how it's being branded between in Turkey and here in the United States. We'll tell you about Mike Pence's announcement when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Because we're going to be. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Some stories we're following. Former President Bill Clinton and Hillary praising the life and work of Representative Elijah Cummings, as we told you, has died at 68 years old. They put out a statement together calling him a resounding voice of moral courage who fought the good fights for the people of Baltimore and faithfully honored his oath to protect and defend the Constitution with a passion, skill, determination, and dignity rarely matched in our history. Did you download the MyShake app yet? No. Oh, I did. What is uh, it going to tell me? It's going to tell you when the earthquake's coming. I don't I don't want to know. You know, it's going to have... Uh, uh, somebody's going to hack into it, and they're going to send out alerts, and then I'm going to have uh, anxiety about earthquakes that never come. Oh, 
Well, if you are not worried about that, you can go to the App Store or Google Play and uh, download My Shake from the uh, UC Berkeley Seismology Lab. Um, I would imagine that they've worked on some of the security issues. All right, I'll that. download it. Berkeley is probably, they're smart people. Um, anyway, it's a, the idea is that it would give you a couple of seconds, perhaps, um, if, in fact, it's able to do that, uh, we will see. I don't know why we have to wait until 2019 to have an earthquake early warning system, but <clears throat> hey, maybe it's just me. I would rather have a train. Uh, Mitt, sorry, Mitt Romney is one of the uh, one of the Republicans who has gone after the president over the uh, announced ceasefire in Syria. We mentioned that uh, Mike Pompeo and Mike Pence, the secretary of state and the vice president, announced earlier today from Ankara, Turkey, that they had, in fact, come to an agreement with the president of Turkey, President Erdogan, to have a ceasefire, 120 hour ceasefire that would allow Kurds who are caught in the safety zone to ski-daddle, to do so safely without threat of being, oh, I don't know, killed. And Turkey is now saying, well, we didn't call it a ceasefire. You called it a ceasefire. We're just putting a pause button on all of this. And it's not a ceasefire unless all of our conditions are met. Now, Mitt Romney has come forward, took to the floor of the Senate today and said uh, a couple of things about how bad this looks for the United States. American leaves no soldiers behind, often at great cost in blood and treasure. We recover our dead and our wounded, and we free our men and women who are held captive. This is a matter of American honor and promise. So, too, is the principle that we stand by our allies that we do not abandon our friends. The decision to abandon the Kurds violates one of our most sacred duties. It strikes at American honor. What we have done to the Kurds will stand as a blood stain in the annals of American history. There are broad strategic implications of our decision as well. Iranian and Russian interests in the Middle East have been advanced by our decision. At a time when we're applying maximum pressure on Iran, by giving them a stronger hand in Syria, we've actually weakened that pressure. Now, here's the key line. Russia's Sorry, here's the key line that you're going to hear replayed over and over again today. Was there no chance for diplomacy? Are we so weak and so inept diplomatically that Turkey forced the hand of the United States of America? Turkey? I believe that it's imperative that public hearings are held to answer these questions. And I hope the Senate is able to conduct those hearings next week. There you go. The president is taking a victory lap, however, crediting his threat of sanctions on Turkey as the tough love that led the country to agree to this five-day halt. Regardless of how the press would like to damp it down, this was something that they've been trying to get for 10 years. You would have lost millions and millions of lives. They couldn't get it without a little rough love. He said that the R- Kurds rough are, love, rough love. He said the Kurds are happy with the deal. Can you get rough love on Craigslist? Yeah. Oh yeah. Are you kidding? That's like 2010. You get all sorts of love on Craigslist in 2019. An extended version of Swamp Watch. When we come back, the U.S. ambassador <laughs> to the European Union menu. says. <laughs> The uh, U.S. ambassador to EU said that President Trump did direct him to work with Rudy Giuliani specifically when it came to Ukraine. 
We'll be talking about that when we come back. You just type in Craigslist no. love. You get all sorts of things you can find. You know, you spend four years spending four hours with someone and you think you know all about them. And then it's the 30th anniversary of the Loma Prieta quake and you find out that Gary played a special needs kid in a play in high school. Did you say that? I don't know if I would say so. I don't know if special needs actually applies to that. It's it's a disorder. Well, I think it... I was in a residential psychiatric treatment center. That's the way I prefer to refer to it. Okay. David and Lisa is the play, correct? The name of the play. It was a movie in the 60s. Yeah, 62. 60s. It won a Golden Globe or something. And nominated for an Oscar, I think, for Best Director. Yeah. Good job, Gary. Thank you, Blake. I appreciate that. He was rehearsing for that play when the earthquake hit. Yeah, we had to cancel rehearsal that night. And you had a romance with the lead in in the play. One of the leads, yeah. Because yeah. we did two different weeks. One week was one woman. Woman. She was a senior in high school. And the other one was another, a closer friend of mine. It was. Did you no make romance. out with both of them? No, there was no kissing in the play. No, I mean outside of the play. No. Or just the one. Just the one. Got it. It was a, yeah, I was young. How weird were their names? One of them was weirder than the other. One of them was named Heather, and the other one was named Valentina. Guess which one he made out with? Totally Valentina. Totally, yeah, 100%. A couple of big stories that we are following. Vice President Mike Pence and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo were on the road trip together. They were in Ankara, Turkey, and earlier today announced a ceasefire in North Syria, uh, they said that uh, the Turkey had agreed to a 120-hour ceasefire. However, Turkish officials have said this is not a ceasefire. It's just a pause and that the operation will only cease, this Operation Peace Spring, if their conditions are met. Um, the other story is that the acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney held a news conference today. And there were a couple of things that he said. Number one that there was a quid pro quo in this phone call between President Trump and the president of Ukraine, that we, in fact, were going to withhold military funds, in part because we had a desire to have Ukraine investigate some allegations that foreign countries may have aided Democrats in the 2016 election. Also going on on Capitol Hill, a U.S. ambassador to the EU said that the president directed him to work with Rudy Giuliani on Ukraine policy and that uh, Gordon Sondland disagreed with this directive. This is an interesting. Uh, this guy is one of three people. We talked yesterday about the three amigos. This guy is one of three people that was apparently tasked with handling all of the Ukraine relations on behalf of the United States. Three amigos being Gordon Sondland, uh, Kurt Volker and Rick Perry the uh, Secretary of Energy, because of Ukraine's importance when it comes to natural gas, oil refining, oil, etc. Now, the thing about Gordon Sundland's testimony that I saw earlier today was that it wasn't even just that the president was suggesting that he work with Rudy Giuliani. It was the direction, it was right. a, a, like an order. He told congressional investigators in his opening statement, we were also disappointed by the president's direction that we involve Rudy Giuliani. He testified that he contacted Giuliani anyway after that directive and that Giuliani drew a direct link between scheduling a White House visit for Ukraine's new president 
and demands that Ukraine prioritize investigations targeting Joe Biden. He said Mr. Giuliani emphasized that the president wanted a public statement from President Zelensky committing Ukraine to look into anti-corruption issues. That Giuliani specifically mentioned the 2016 election, including that DNC server, and Burisma as two of the anti-corruption topics of importance for the president. Now, do you think the president gives a crap about the DNC server? Do you really think he cares about Ukraine getting into the DNC's business and screwing it up? No, I don't think so. But it's a damn good cover for also looking into Biden. For him to to also throw in the Biden. Which shows that he knew it was wrong. Because if he didn't know it was wrong, why would he even involve the Democrats? One of the other people that has been talking as well to congressional investigators is a guy named Michael McKinley. Michael McKinley is a former top aide to Mike Pompeo at the State Department. And he has been giving congressional investigators a look into what he says was a demoralized State Department. Career diplomats were sidelines. Others were uh, sidelined, I should say. Others were pressed to use their posts to advance domestic political objectives. He gave six hours, six hours of his life to these congressional investigators and told them he quit as Mike Pompeo's senior advisor because he was so frustrated over the way the administration was treating diplomats and was not supporting diplomats in the face of the impeachment inquiry. They also, like we were talking about, we were going to meet with Gordon Sondland today from the Ukraine. Um, They also directed William Taylor Jr., one of the American uh, diplomats in Ukraine, to come before the committee next Tuesday. Text messages produced as part of this whole impeachment inquiry suggest that William B. Taylor Jr. was uneasy about what he saw as the effort by the president, the president's aides, to use the military aid package as security assistance or leverage over Ukraine for the political favors. And he said at the time, if you're going to withhold this military aid in an attempt to get political favors from Ukraine, that's crazy. Those are the, That's his word. He said it was crazy. All right. Coming up next, yes. Google Nest Mini is said to have better intelligence, louder sound, and whole home audio. That's just one of the topics we will tackle when we talk tech with Mark Saltzman. Gary and Shannon will continue. Also, your chance at $1,000 coming up in just a few minutes. We are so inappropriate. You know, Someday that's going to be... A problem? Yeah. Someday. I, I kind of feel like if it hasn't already become an issue... If you win that $1,000, they will contact you by phone, probably from a 513 area code number. So you're going to want to answer that phone. Another chance an hour from now in the John and Ken Show. In fact, every hour through the first hour of the Conway Show. Give it away $1,000 right here on KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Thursday, 120 means Mark Saltzman time. The machines are getting smarter. This is Tech Talk, brought to you by Skynet. Mark Saltzman, USA Today columnist, host of Tech It Out on your iHeartRadio app, and our friend who joins us for Tech Talk every Thursday. How you doing? I am wonderful, thank you. Just got back from New York. I was at that Google 
event. It was kind of cool. Martha Stewart was there. That was kind of neat. <laughs> Did you talk Annie to her? Leibowitz. Lots of lots of celebs. It's New York, you know. I think you're used to something like that. You know, oh yeah, we get, we see. I saw Annie Leibovitz <laughs> at Starbucks the other day. Uh, she <laughs> yeah, was actually yeah. buying a drink for Martha Stewart. So tell me about Did the, Google... the barista spell her name right on the cup. <laughs> yeah, A N N I E. Yeah, there you go. Tell me about Sorry, the uh, Google yeah. phones that you found yeah, out about. Yeah, so. It's their annual Made by Google event in New York where they do unveil all their new hardware for the fall. So, yeah, the star of the show arguably is the Pixel 4 and the Pixel 4 XL. This is Google's own smartphone, of course, leveraging Android and their own artificial intelligence. Just like last year's Pixel 3, all the buzz is about the camera. And that for sure carries into this new one as well. Uh, night Sight, which is like their, the ability to take really good looking shots at night, uh, is there and, and beefed up with a lot more software on the back end, a lot more. They're not adding, well, they did add a telephoto lens, but they're not in that race where they keep adding more lenses like everybody else. Um, you know, they, they have that AI thing that they've invested in very heavily over the last couple of years. So there's a lot of sort of trickery going on behind the scenes to just create some absolutely stunning uh, photos and videos. And yeah, they did bring out uh, Annie Leibovitz uh, to, to sit on stage and answer questions in a fireside chat kind of thing where uh, she had spent the last year with a Pixel phone. So these new devices look right. You know, they, they've got orange color, uh, orange, uh, white and black, the added extra camera features, smarter artificial intelligence. I love this new um, radar based control. So it's got like gestures. Like, so when you reach for your phone, it knows that you're reaching for it and it automatically gets that facial unlock feature ready. So when you hold it up, it just, it's instant. It also quiets the alarm. Like if you've got a blaring, uh, you know, uh, ringtone or something, Thing. When you reach for it, it quiets down, so it uh, knows that you're about to answer it. Um, you can even interact with your hand and with the wallpaper on this phone. But the coolest thing, I would argue, and I know you guys, we, we follow each other on Twitter. I kind of made a big deal about this because there was a live demo of this new um, voice recorder app. Speaking of AI, where not only does it so it transcribes everything it hears into text for you, which is awesome for a journalist, for a student, or for any business person in a you know conference room but you can even then do more complicated things like search you can say you know show me every time the word camera came up uh, or show me the text that was about halfway through this recording and it, and you're going to hear the google assistant answer you and then play you and then show you tech the text pretty wild stuff so that's the pixel 4 that's awesome. I, I saw yeah. uh, Stadia, the streaming video game service, and I don't quite understand what that would be because most video games already have the ability to connect on, to, to different people around the world. Yeah, so Google Stadia, which was part of the announcement as well, is a console-less console. So the idea is that you're playing games in the cloud. So there's really no hardware other than a, a Chrome-based uh, desktop or a Chromebook uh, computer, which was also debuting uh, last week, or uh, a Chromecast plugged into your TV or your Google Pixel phone. And all you need is a controller uh, to play these games because it's all on Google's servers. So it's unlike any other console that does require a box where most of the processing power lives. Yeah, this is you. You get a wireless controller to play these like AAA games from all the big publishers you know and love, um, but it's all in the cloud. So as long as you have a good internet connection, that's the caveat. You are playing games that you aren't physically 
you know, doing, you know, there's no box, there's no disc. And then you can like pause the game and then like pick it up on another device somewhere else. So it is pretty revolutionary on paper. I, I'm excited to see <laughs> November 19th is when it comes out. So I'm excited to actually um, kick the tires on it and see if it actually uh, delivers on, on its promise. But yeah, uh, Stadia. And, and one more thing um, that they, so there was other, uh, they talked about the new Pixel Book computer and they had like the new Pixel Buds earbuds that are much smaller than Air. AirPods, but the I really like the Nest Mini, which is that forty nine dollar donut shaped smart speaker, and they unveiled a new one um, last week on Tuesday. And what's cool about it is, so you know, they keep the same price point, but it's twice as loud with a better uh, quality microphone to hear you in noisy environments. New um, controls when you reach towards it, it actually illuminates the controls for volume. But the coolest feature is actually a uh, it's an optional service called Nest Aware. It's as low as six bucks a month and it does a few things, but one of the most impressive was that if the smart speaker at home hears a smoke alarm going off or a carbon monoxide alarm and you're not at home, it will notify you anywhere in the world that wow. there, that this is going on in your home because it hears the alarm and it asks you if you want to tap to call 911 near you, like where you live, not where you are physically. Really smart. It's not, that's a great idea because yeah. it's not tied into an alarm service. It's just hearing the, the alarm go off. That's pretty great. Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant. Producer Nick earlier today accused me of stealing his phone charger, which I didn't. I just borrowed it, mm. but I heard uh, about this uh, new Everlet. Yeah, so uh, I've got three kids, and this is like a common thing for us as well. Where is their phone charger? Because everybody just borrows it and then forgets to put it back. So Everlet is this brand new invention that replaces the faceplate of an AC plug. So it's 19 bucks, and it's basically a wall plate that has an area that your phone is plugged into the wall using your own plug, and it can't be pulled out or else you'll break the cable. So it's got this little enclosure, if you will, that prevents somebody from pulling the cable out. It's, it's, if you go to ever, everletcharge.com, you can see this thing and, and have it delivered to you. That's the, the, the basic version. And that's the concept is that, you know, if your phone charge keeps going, you know, mysteriously missing as it happens in many households and in businesses, this is perfect because you, just keep your plug in there all the time. Then there's something called the Everlet um, three in one, if you will. So this is forty nine bucks, but it comes with a fast charging plug and cable, so it can charge your phone up to three times faster than your regular one. And it's got three different endings, so it's got the lightning um, uh, port, sorry, lightning cable for an iPhone or iPad, a micro USB for older devices, and then a USB C for newer Android phones. So that's, I think it's a brilliant idea. Uh, Everletcharge.com. Stealing the aux cables is really the like 1994 stealing a lighter. Like you don't realize you're doing it, you know, until someone calls you on it and you're like, oh, I do have your cable. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. And of course you always need it at the most, you know, you you need it and you're like a 2% and you can't find it. It's the worst. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good analogy, Shannon. I love it. Awesome. Mark, thank you. We appreciate it. Me too. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Mark Saltzman there. And, of course, you can find a bunch of Mark's stuff online. Uh, Follow him on Twitter. It's probably the best way to get into the Mark Saltzman portal. Mm. Mark with a C underscore Saltzman, where you can find all that cool stuff. We come back. You're all making me so hungry on Twitter because I guess Nick posed the question, uh, what food would you eat? If you could, if you could only pick one food to eat for you know the rest of your life, would it be Jersey Mike's? Yeah, Jersey Mike's. You want half of a turkey sandwich? Is that for real? Yeah. Yes. Okay.
Come and get it. I am so excited right now. Come and get it. That I is my do the favorite news. sandwich. You're the best. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want any. I'm full, actually. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh. Gary and Shannon will continue with some strange <laughs> science stories next. She's a California Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We have not done any Brexit news today. You know, I woke up this morning and I said, not today. About Brexit? Yeah. Oh. I'm just having a Brexit, a Brexit, a Brexit free Thursday. Oh. I guess I screwed it up then by saying it twice. Yeah, we're not getting into that. Oh, by uh, by the way, I went and asked Petros if it was okay if we regularly do a Tarzan Wednesday. Yeah. I said, it sounds a little bit like Frogman Friday, so I wanted to clear it with you. And he said it was okay with him, and he thanked us for asking. Oh, well, good. Thank him for thanking us. It was very nice of him to thank us for thanking him. The strength of Tarzan, no man can say. No man can say. We've got some, I guess they're science-y, nature science, uh, but odd. Strange, I'd say. Strange science. It's like weird science, but strange. So very first thing we did in the show today was the great shakeout earthquake drill. And today... They launched, they being the state of California, launched an earthquake warning app to give everyone in the state, ideally, a chance to prepare in the event that we have an earthquake. And uh, to be honest, um, it's not the cleanest thing as of yet. The MyShake app that was put out by UC Berkeley, the officials try to make sure that they won't um, screw this thing up, shall we say. The Office of Emergency Services unveiled the app today. You can download it on iOS, on Android phones, and they'll begin issuing earthquake early warnings through the wireless emergency alerts system, which will offer a text message alert even if you haven't downloaded the app itself. Now, that's great, uh, great earthquake news, but there's other earthquake news that's not great. A major California fault capable of producing a magnitude 8 earthquake has begun moving for the very first time on record. Yay! This is a new study by Caltech, and they say this is the 160-mile-long Garlock Fault. Garlock Fault? I prefer Garlock. I don't want to confuse it with my name at all. Garlock, Garlock. Fault. It's on the northern edge of the Mojave. It has never been observed to produce either a strong earthquake or even to creep, but new satellite radar images show that the fault has begun to move, causing a bulging of land that can be viewed from space. The lead author of the study, Zachary Ross, is an assistant professor of geophysics at Caltech. What a dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) He says, this is surprising because we've never seen the Garlock Fault do anything. Here, all of a sudden, it changed its behavior. We don't know what it means. What do you mean you don't know what it means? You're right. What a dumbass. <laughs> I 
it means there's going to be a bunch more earthquakes and they could be very, very big. We don't know that. I'm not a scientist and I know that. We don't know what it means. It means we're screwed, Bob. Zach. Zach. Whatever. He doesn't deserve Zach. What is that, Jay? What the? Um, (laughs) I love seven-year-old jokes. uh, This owl versus owl story is pretty interesting. We're talking about the uh, potential. There are 2,400 barred owls, not barn, barred owls killed in an experiment up in Oregon by the government to test whether the northern spotted owl's decline in the Pacific Northwest can be stopped by killing the East Coast version. We're killing certain owls to protect other certain owls, and this is raising a lot of questions. Is this okay? Yeah, I don't know if this is the way it's supposed to go. The barred owl is the spotted owl's worst enemy. They reproduce more often, they have more babies per year, and they eat the same prey, like squirrels and wood rats. The weird thing is we'll do this um, against one species to help another species. I mean, fish would be an example, right? I mean, we will preserve salmon runs in the Pacific Northwest by killing some of the larger birds, uh, the cormorants, the double-crested cormorants. Mm. What sound does that one make? What's the call of a double-crested cormorant? No. No. But it's close. It's salmon. 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 That's the way they sound. Got it. Um, I have a question. Yes. This experiment of killing the owls, they say it's a $5 million program. Why does it cost $5 million? Uh, Bureaucracy. Good Lord. Someone's got to go through and write down the names of all 2,400 of those owls who have been killed so far. Is somebody having a uh, owl-killing party with fancy toilets like the California Prison Agency is doing? Uh, Possible. They have four different study areas that they've been doing this. Washington, Oregon, Northern California. They have uh, a trained team that has been picking off the invasive barred owls with 12-gauge shotguns to see whether or not these birds will return to their nesting habitat once their competitors are gone. Small efforts to remove barred owls up in B.C. and British Columbia and Northern California already showed some promising results. Right now they have a permit to kill 3,600 owls, and they're about two-thirds of the way there. There's a mysterious blob organism to tell you about. It has no brain, and it can reform after being bisected. Super blob. Also brain activity. My brain activity is quite well after this Jersey Mike sandwich. Thank you, Monica. It's delicious. Just delicious. Which bread is this? I've never had this bread. It's some Parmesan bread. It's great. It's called rosemary Parmesan. Uh, Oh, Carrie. (laughs) Sad face. (laughs) I'm sorry. Sometimes it's so popular that they run out of it. You know, to be fair... Don't she's you been dare vo- finish that sentence because okay. there's nothing that can right. be fair about I did this. say that okay. I was hungry. Yeah, she's been vocalizing it all day. It, no, for the past, like, two for days. Two days. Yeah. I've wanted food for two days now. Yeah. <laughs> Could have gone higher on that sausage. Yep. Wow. What is that from? All right. More strange science when we come back <laughs> to Gary and Shannon. Well-
Shannon. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. The House Intelligence Committee chairman says things have just gone from very, very bad to much, much worse. Adam Schiff referring to the White House's acknowledgement that it held up military aid to Ukraine while the president pushed Ukraine's new president to investigate corruption, including possibly Joe Biden's family, his son Hunter there, who sat on that energy board in Ukraine, very lucrative position with nothing really to back it up. No real reason except for his last name. Rick Perry, this is one of the worst kept secrets in D.C. Rick Perry has apparently said that he will step down. The energy secretary told the president he intends to leave his post. Uh, No timing necessarily given. Of course, you know, Rick Perry is the former governor of Texas, has for the most part stayed out of the headlines uh, until this whole Ukraine thing came up. He has been entangled in all of this. He was named as one of the, not my term, three amigos. It was supposed to take over American relations with Ukraine in the uh, in the context of the last several months. I think back in May was when he, Kurt Volker and uh, Grant Sunderland were the ones who were told that they would be sort of the point people on our relations with Ukraine. We are right in the middle of our strange science stories. And do you get the journal Nature? I do. That's the one that. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I get you, I get the journal Science. That's well, because you did get Nature, but I think you discontinued it because you just. You weren't getting to it. Well, the reason I subscribed in the first place was for the calendar. Well, right. No, that's not shameful. Okay. Well, it's a beautiful calendar. It's all topless. There was a study published in the journal Nature that says more isn't always better when it comes to keeping your mind active to live a long life. That is weird. And they say one key to a longer life could be a quieter brain without too much neural activity. Michael McConnell is a neuroscientist at the Lieber Institute for Brain Development. Dumbass. The the completely shocking and puzzling thing about this is brain activity is what you think of as keeping you cognitively normal. There's an idea that you want to keep your brain brain active in later life. The, The true thing, the thing that is super unexpected is limiting neural activity is a good thing in healthy aging. It's very counterintuitive. They used post-mortem brain tissue for this study because it's not currently possible to measure rest in the brains of living people. So I I I bet I could point out some rested brains. You know what I mean? (laughs) Is it just... Would this be something akin to meditation or just quiet time i think or not just, just an like active not... brain like you know how some people are always thinking constantly go 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 like you're one of those people probably hope not you have a lot going on up there but they say rest has been shown to be protective against alzheimer's the researchers say they're not sure whether rest would somehow protect someone from death or if it was just a sign of further aging weird well, I, this... mean, I guess meditation's one way to quiet your mind Sure. Yeah. Um, this is very disquieting, though. The Paris Zoo has on display a th- a bl- a thing, a blob. A they mis- don't even know what to no, say. It's a mysterious new organism, and they've called it the blob after the movie that portrays that alien mass that consumes people to grow larger. It's a yellowish slime. A unicellular living being, which looks like a fungus, but acts like an animal. It has 
almost 720 sexes. Uh, Pull the car over sexy thing. What is 720 sexes? Sexes? Yes. Or does that mean that there are 720 organs? I don't know what that means. It moves without legs or wings. Um, it can heal itself in two minutes after being cut in half. Bruno David is the Paris Museum of Natural History director. The blob is really one of the most extraordinary things on Earth today. It's been here for millions of years. We still don't know really what it is. We don't really know if it is an animal, if it's a fungus, or if it's in between. Sometimes it behaves like an animal. It is capable of memory. It is capable of having an adaptable behavior. It has no mouth, no stomach, no eyes, but is capable of detecting food and digesting it. No. Humans is what it eats. (laughs) Sorry, I made that part up. Doesn't reading that creep you out a little bit? Yes. I used to like Paris. It It behaves very surprisingly for something that looks like a mushroom. It has the behavior of an animal and it is able to learn, it says. Hmm. Capable of transferring knowledge through a type of fusion. Initial studies have keyed in on a vein that forms between two no. specimen after being no. combined. No. It downloads its memory into another thing blob. You know, we're, we're having good fun with this today, but this could be the downfall of the world. If this thing starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it eats what if people. This thing, what if this thing makes its way to the Great Hedron Collider? That's also in France. Hello. We're looking at end times here. End times. Stupid French people. John and Ken show coming Burn up. Burn it with fire. Next. Yeah, why are we holding on to this blob? Oh, let's put it on display. What a great time. We don't know what it is. We should have the fun with like animals. We don't like know a if creature. It's kill us or ah! not. See you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to... Gary and Shannon. And then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness.